coming up. A novel about a deadly shade of green. An easy-to-use dessert cookbook. Wow, those two things are very opposite. (laughs) They really are. Plus our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. During the Victorian era, arsenic was used all over the house. Yeah. In food coloring. (laughs) In face powder. Mm-hmm. Rat poison. Sure. That one makes sense. That makes sense. Baby carriages. Oh. Yeah. In 1775, a Swedish chemist named Carl Scheele used copper arsenite, which contains arsenic, yeah. to create a very vivid green color that was called Scheele's green. People fell in love with it. It was used to dye fabrics and to tint candles and it was used in wallpaper that was all the rage in the sitting rooms of fashionable people. This doesn't sound like it's going to end well. That shade of green was toxic. Yeah. There were 19th century reports of children wasting away in bright green rooms and ladies in green dresses swooning, but not in a romantic way. Yeah. By the 1890s, they had to stop using Shields Green because it killed people. If you hear all of that and think, That would make a great novel. (laughs) You are correct. A new book called The Company by J.M. Varese riffs on this real-life history with a gleefully gothic story. Our heroine is Lucy. She is heir to the fortune of Braithwaite & Company, her family's business which manufactures luxury wallpaper. Their designs seem to cast a spell on everyone who sees them. Is it artistry? Or is it something sinister? This is a romp through a haunted mansion in London with spectral visions, secret identities, mysterious deaths, a conniving suitor, and a heroine who refuses to cave to pressure. The author, John Varese, is a literary historian, and he works at the Dickens Project at UCLA. Do you know this? I don't. It's a group that promotes the study of the life and work of Charles Dickens, much as it sounds. Yep. And it seems really awesome. Every summer in Santa Cruz, a bunch of Dickens scholars and fans and students get together to talk about Victorian fiction and how it relates to life now. It's like awesome nerd summer camp and book club rolled all into (laughs) one. All of which to say, this author knows his way around some Victorian Gothic. His new book is The Company by J.M. Varese, and it's out now. Okay, so here are two things I know about myself. One, I have a sweet tooth. You do. I enjoy ice cream and pie and cakes and all the other delicious things. Chocolate. I often walk into your office and smell chocolate in the air. Apparently, it's genetic. There's a family story that my grandfather stopped for donuts on the way to the hospital when I was born. (laughs) The second thing I know about myself is I'm pretty hopeless in the kitchen. Also true. Yep. This week, I learned that Allison Roman is here to help. Right on. Yep. Alison Roman's a best-selling cookbook author. She used to work at Momofuku Milk Bar as a pastry chef. Oh, that place is so much fun in New York. They have crazy over-the-top desserts that are so very good. Yeah. She has written a series of cookbooks about food that tastes good and look good, but it's easy to throw together. She's kind of famous for a recipe called salted butter and chocolate chunk shortbread. I mean, that sounds amazing. Yeah. That broke the internet a couple years ago, according to some people. Her next book is almost here. It's called Sweet Enough, a dessert cookbook. In this book, she promises desserts that come together faster than you can eat them. Mm. 
skeptical. I've seen you eat some. <laughs> but the recipes do look good. She says you just need your hands and a few mixing bowls and some common ingredients, and then you can bang out desserts like a salted lemon cream pie or toasted rice pudding or caramelized maple tart. Ooh, that sounds really good. I know. She also has more unusual flavors like a creamy cauliflower galette hmm. or raspberries and sour cream, which I think is more of a serving suggestion than a recipe. But still, here for it. It is Sweet Enough, a dessert cookbook by Allison Roman, and it will be out on Tuesday. When you were talking about that, it reminded me of the book Snacking Cakes by Yossi Arifi. Do you remember this book? No. Okay, number one, the title, Snacking Cakes, implies that there are people who make cakes just to snack on, (laughs) which makes me feel like I'm doing everything wrong with my life. Yeah, I agree. And the recipes in that book, the premise is you just need one mixing bowl and then you pour it into a baking pan. So they're very easy cakes to make. I know you don't remember the cookbook, but you probably remember the sugar donut cake. I do remember the sugar donut cake. It's this simple cake that you cut into squares and it really tasted like a sugar donut. Yeah. And it took no time at all to make. Yeah. We'll put links for all that stuff in the show notes. Awesome. And now our distraction of the week. So we spent the first week of March in Scotland and I wanted to tell you about it. We started and ended our trip in Edinburgh, which is a delightful city, particularly if you love books or old Edwardian buildings that seem to be stacked on top of one another. Either of those, if you like both of them. If you're a fan of ghosts. (laughs) Really lovely cemeteries. They're all there. But what I really wanted to tell you about was Shetland. Shetland is a little chain of islands off of the north coast of Scotland. They are frequently described as remote, windswept, and beautiful. And I am here to tell you that all three of those things are true. Correct, as stated. (laughs) You can fly to Shetland, but... Weak sauce. Yeah, we got there on a ferry. It is a 12-hour ferry out of Aberdeen. It's an overnight. We got on in the evening and got off the following day. You can white-knuckle it by sleeping in a chair, but you can also rent a cabin, which is what we did. There's a restaurant and a bar on board the ferry. There's a tiny room where they show movies. And, of course, you can go outside and watch the North Sea go by. There was a full moon on our return trip. The image of the moonlight hitting the ocean and the clouds around it will stay in my head forever. It looked like a painting. It was lovely. It makes me want to write bad poetry. (laughs) And then you get off the ferry and you're in Shetland. I wasn't sure how to break down that experience quickly, so I'm going to fall back on the tried and true listicle. Here are three things you can do in Shetland. (laughs) One, buy a sweater. There are a lot of sheep on Shetland. The sheep make wool, and that gets turned into sweaters through a mystical process I barely understand called knitting. (laughs) That all happens there on the island. We got our locally sourced and made sweaters in a little store called Jameson's of Shetland. I paid about 80 bucks for a blue-black sweater that I love and will own forever. Two, eat a scone. One of the things that we did in Shetland was hike in Unst. Unst is the northernmost of the Shetland Islands. It was chilly. It snowed while we were there, and we caught the beginning of that up in Unst. After our hike, we went over to Victoria's Vintage Tea Rooms, where we met Victoria herself, and she served us a pot of tea and some crispy, tasty scones, and we sat and looked out the window as the snow fell on the bay there. 
for a few minutes, there was absolutely nothing wrong in the world. Three, you could enjoy the animals. <laughs> we saw so many incredible animals. On a different walk, we saw a large hill that had been absolutely overtaken by rabbits. While we were waiting for a ferry to take us from one island to another, an otter came walking past the car to an otter stuff. I'd never seen an otter in the wild before. We saw Shetland ponies. We saw some Highland cattle with their crazy bangs, some birds I'd never seen before, and a seal that came out to listen to some accordion music we were listening to. Yeah, so we're at the ferry terminal waiting for the ferry to arrive, and a man walks out with an accordion, sits down on the stone wall, and starts playing this beautiful music, and in the water behind him was a seal listening to the concert. Yeah. It turns out he's kind of a famous musician. Yeah. I'm going to talk about him on a future episode of The Library of Lost Time. So, Shetland, we had a fantastic time. 100%, 10 out of 10, would recommend. If you are interested in remote, windswept beauty, Shetland awaits you. Pro tip, we, of course, watch the Shetland TV series. Yeah. Very murdery and also delightful. Yeah. And we had a lot of ideas about the different things we might want to do in Shetland, but we weren't really sure how to organize our trip. There is a woman named Lori who has a website and videos. It's called Shetland with Lori. She was born and raised in Shetland. Her family goes back hundreds of years. She's written for Lonely Planet. She's a, been a curator for two different museums in the Shetland Islands. And she offers a service where she listens to what you want to do and then puts together an itinerary for you. It was so helpful, and she was lovely. We spent about an hour with her on Zoom, and then she sent us instructions. And then when we were making our return trip on the ferry, she was there, and we got to visit with her after our amazing experience in Shetland. Yeah. If you are at all curious about going to Shetland, definitely invest in some time with Lori so she can help you out because she was great. Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more about all of that Shetland stuff and the books that we discussed today. Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.